Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome to Wednesday night. Um, we're going to be picking up in uh, chapter 6 of John. And Tom finished up chapter 5 last week, and this week we're picking up chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Uh, we're going to try to cover 6 verses this, this evening. So if you want to hang with me, I'm just going to open in a word of prayer. We're going to read through the first 6 verses and then get into it. Lord, I thank you for today. We thank you for a uh, blessed day that it's been. We thank you, Lord, that now we can meet together um, online and in person and uh, just study your word together, Lord. We just pray, Father, you would speak to us through your word. Speak through me, Lord, that your spirit would be among us and we'll be um, doing the work that needs to be done in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, cool. So I'm just going to read through so John chapter 6, verse 1 through six. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. So just from reading that, you think, this is going to be interesting, right? So uh, verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. If you're reading the same account in the book of Matthew or Mark, it says that he departed to a deserted place. So Jesus was taking some, seemed like he was trying to get off to a place where there wasn't a lot of people. And what that usually tells someone is if you're trying to go somewhere where there's not a lot of people because you need a little bit of solitude, you need some quiet, you might want to think. Um, all those things are conducive to thinking, praying, spending time with the Lord, right? But it says, verse 2, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. <laughs> so you find Jesus is like, I just need a little bit of alone time. And it's like a huge crowd following him around everywhere he went. Because, his, here's why they were following him, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. So as I was reading, I read this, I've been reading through this in John chapter 6. Then I've been looking at it in the uh, the other Gospels in Matthew and Mark and seeing what they said, how they, they stated these things. And basically from all three I've compiled that he healed during this time. They were following him because he healed all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease and demon possession. And you're just like, whoa, that's a lot of stuff, you know? But Jesus was doing that. So I thought, well, what's really the difference between sickness and disease? Sickness is like, you know, you just get, that's a quick condition. You get ill, you get better. A disease is actually a disorder of your body. It's just something. Your body doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. And Jesus was healing those kinds of things. My body doesn't work the way it kind of, it's supposed to work, like the normal way a body's supposed to work, let's say. And Jesus was coming along and setting bodies right. Can you make? Can you believe that? And then he's casting out demons from people. You know, so there's no wonder that he has a. It says there a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. Well, no wonder. I mean, you do stuff like that, yeah, you're good. People are gonna follow you around, right? And um, if you've ever seen about evangelists and stuff like that. I mean, if one per evangelist or whatever, or there's like faith healing ministries, heals one person, then all of a sudden it's just like, <clears throat> there's a huge crowd of people around them like, heal me, heal me, heal me. You know, and that's what Jesus was probably um, encountering. 
he heals one person, he heals a sickness here, heals a disease there, he, he casts out a demon here, and all of a sudden everybody and their grandma wants some help, you know? And, and that's the way it is. That's how people are. And what I find with this is this. <clears throat> Jesus has given these people a little taste of heaven. He's given them a little taste of this is what it's like to live with me, to accept me into your heart. And you might be thinking, what? He heals some de he, he casts out some demons. He heals some sickness and disease. How is that the same as having Jesus in your heart? Because Jesus is the ultimate healer. He heals you from your sin. Okay, so he's given them a foretaste of what accepting him brings. Healing. Accepting Jesus Christ brings healing to your heart. It does. And I can tell you this from experience. It does. It brings healing to your heart. If you're angry, G the Holy Spirit and Jesus can take away the anger. If you have struggle with lust, if you have bitterness, if you have hold grudges, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if, um, if there's pain, sorrow, sadness in your heart, he can heal all that. So he's giving them a foretaste. Look at what I can do, right? They're not really understanding yet that he, he's not just talking about physical healing. He's talking about spiritual healing. Jesus Christ will heal you spiritually. That's what he's talking about. Now, the other thing I took from up just these two verses was this. Unfortunately, even though Jesus has a huge crowd following him around wherever he went, they were following him for the wrong reasons. Following Jesus because he can do something for you is not the right reason to follow him. The right reason to follow Jesus is because he is God. He is the creator. He is your God. He is the one that created you. We should follow him because... I mean, where would I be without you? I'd be nowhere. I wouldn't exist, right? Now, they're following him because, like, give me something. Give me healing. Give me this. Give me that. You know, that's what they're following him for, what they can get from him. But the real reason we should follow Jesus is not because of what we can get from him, but because of who he is. We should follow him because of who he is. Then verse 3 says this, Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his, his disciples around him. I don't know if any of you have ever climbed a hill. I've climbed hills slash mountains before. You get towards the top, the peak, and all of a sudden everything's starting to get more serene, quiet. There's less, there's less civilization noise. There's more sounds of nature. Maybe it's just wind blowing, right? And you and if you get there and you sit down, you're just like, <sighs> and it's just quiet. And that's that's special, right? Now, why is Jesus climbing a hill and sitting down with his disciples around him? Because like we saw in verse 1, he's trying to get somewhere. He's trying to get a little bit of alone time. Not just for himself saying, oh, I just need some alone time, man. I just need to do me. You know, he's trying to get some alone time with, his, with God. He's trying to get some alone time so he can commune with his Father in heaven. So... And if you've ever just taken a walk, let's say, into just nature, into a meadow... Um, a valley, something like that, where there's no other people around. There's no car noise. There's no towns. There's nothing like that. You're just out in the in the woods or in the in just in the great outdoors, let's say, and you're just taking in creation. It has this very um, how do you say? It has this very just calming um, power over you, and it's not the creation itself. It's what the creation represents or who it reflects, and just being in that creation reflects God's handiwork god's ultimate power being able to create something from nothing and not just something but something beautiful something amazing pleasant quiet 
You know what I mean? Something like that. And I think the serenity, the majesty of being on the mountain, Jesus, you can imagine him taking a deep breath and just kind of letting all that stuff melt away. And he's there with his God, with his father, right? Communing with him. And one great thing to do about with that is this. It's a great time to get into correct heart posture before the Lord, before you start to minister. Jesus knew he was going to be ministering soon. So he took whatever few moments he had to get away, spend time with God, and get ready to minister. Because when Jesus starts ministering, he doesn't do like one-on-one, like you or I can handle. He's doing thousands at a time. He's doing, like I said, huge crowds of people. He ministers to all of them at the same time. And only, only God himself can do something like that. So you see, this is a great time to, for us, it's a great time to, when we're alone, have some quiet time. It's a great time to pray, confess, repent. Um, it says in Psalm chapter 55, verse 22, and 1 Peter 5, 7, it says to cast your cares on the Lord at that time. And you get ready to minister, to sacrifice for him. And why do we do that? Because of who he is. Going back to that. Because of who God is. Who is he? He's the creator. He's your creator. He's my creator. Getting back. We sacrifice for it because of how much he's done for us. Verse 4 says, It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Obviously, if you understand, because of the when God delivered the, the Israelites, the Jews, out of Egypt, and the 10th plague, the angel of death came through, and if they painted their, their doorposts with the blood of a spotless lamb, the angel of death passed over that house and didn't kill the firstborn. So they're celebrating this mercy of God upon them, right? So this festival is coming up to to remember when God did that for the, for the people. Um, it talks about in Deuteronomy chapter 16, 1. In honor of the Lord your God, celebrate the Passover each year in the early spring, in the month of Abib. For that was the month of which the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. So it's kind of like an aside there. This is about that time. It's just giving you some context of where they are in the calendar year, what is going on around them. So you can understand why there's a lot of people around because they're getting ready to celebrate. <clears throat> so then verse 5 says this, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, and if you remember Philip, John chapter 1, I taught you, I, I, we went through John chapter 1 together, and Philip was one of the first disciples that Jesus um, comes up to. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? <coughs> Funny question, right? So, God is asking a mortal man, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And, you know, I mean, I can imagine Philip be like, I don't know. Well, how many? I mean, how how would I know where to buy bread for this many people, right? So, we. I just want to punch back to Matthew fourteen fourteen. It says this. It says that he was moved with compassion for the multitude. Why is Jesus asking this? Jesus is asking Philip this because um, he's testing his heart in a sense. When you or I see needy needy people, are we moved with compassion for them? Um, secondly, are we moved with compassion even when they're, when they're there for the wrong reasons? Remember we talked about it. these people are following Jesus for the wrong reasons. They're following Jesus because of what they perceive he can do for them, heal them of their sicknesses, diseases, and some of them demon possession, right? 
Now, that's why they're following him around, because they've seen him do miracles, and they want him to do a miracle for them, right? But Jesus is moved with compassion for them. That's what Matthew 14, 14 tells us. Jesus is moved with compassion for them. And he's asking Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, Philip is a compassionate person. He might say, well, we could probably find bread here or there. Or he might say, why would we need to buy bread for these people? You know, but it's a, it's a test of compassion. This is the way I see it. Jesus is testing to see how compassionate are you, Philip? Do you love these people? Who do you how, do you even care for them? Are you even do you have any even a shred of compassion towards them? And as I was reading this, and I thought that and said, when when we see needy people, are we moved with compassion for them? I, you know, it kind of struck me because I thought, you no, know, it's oftentimes I just drive by or I just walk by. You know, you just give the wave, don't look down. No, no, I have nothing for you. You know, no, no, I I have no money. No, no, I I got nothing. You know what I mean? And he's just like. That's me, man. You know, am I really, do I really love God enough to stop and look at my needy fellow man and say, what do you need? How can I help you? I don't know what, how I can help you, but I'll give it a shot at least. All right. So I think he's testing Philip. Well, obviously we know he's testing Philip because in verse six, it says this. He was testing Philip. All right. For he, capital H, meaning Jesus, already knew what he was going to do. He wasn't asking Philip, oh, where can we buy bread for these people? Because Jesus was like, I don't know what to do, man. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty good at everything, you know. But in this very specific situation, I have no idea what we should do. Jesus was not like that. Jesus was testing the man, you know. He was like, I know what we're going to do, but let me see if this guy's got a clue. Right? <laughs> so... It's really, what is Jesus looking for when he asks, Philip's, asks Philip this question? I think he's looking to show Philip who he should be looking to when he doesn't have an answer or solution. Think about it. Think about it. Where can we buy bread to feed all these people, he says in verse 5. I can tell you right now, Philip has no idea. He has no clue. It's like, I mean, in the other Gospels, it tells us that it's about 5,000 men. And they're also their women and children. So we're looking at 10,000 plus people. Hey, Philip, where can we buy bread for these people? Phil's like, <laughs> you know, right? Jesus is testing him, you know? He wants to show Philip, hey, wake up, buddy. Look who you're standing next to. When you don't know, I know. When you have no idea, I have the idea. When you don't have a solution, I have the solution. Jesus is basically telling him in this question, I'm not asking you because I need an answer. I'm asking you because I need you to recognize who I am. I am the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer for all your troubles. He's the solution to all your problems and difficulties. Um, every time you come upon a situation and you're like, oh, Lord, I don't know what to do. You ask God right away. God, what should I do? How do I go about this? How do I answer this person? How do I treat this person? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? When am I supposed to do it? Why am I doing it? You know, you can ask all the questions of Jesus Christ of God. And he has the answer for every question. You cannot stump God himself. You can't do it. You know, so he's not just testing Philip. He's asking us the same question. How are we going to do this? Where can we get the stuff that we need to do this? And when we come up with, Lord, I have no idea. Um, only you know. Then bam, that's it. 
Now we're in the right spot. Now we're in the right place to hear from God. I don't have the answer, God. You have the answer. So a couple things I want to go back and look at here. Um, two things. <clears throat> we need to follow after Jesus for the right reasons. Now, even if we're following after him for the wrong reasons, Jesus can use that to bring us, a, to kind of like flip us around and say, hey, okay, I know you got here for the wrong reasons, but look, now let's teach you the right reasons and follow me for the right reasons. And then when we start following him and we come upon situations where we don't know the answer or the solution to our problem or whatever it may be, we need to turn to Christ and say, Lord, I followed you for the wrong reasons to begin with, but now I have the right reason for following you because I know you are God. And I know you're my creator and there's no other reason I need to follow anyone. But right now I have no idea. I don't know the answer or the solution I need, but I know that you do. So can you please let me know? It tells us in the book of James that when we lack wisdom, we need to ask God and he will give it to us. In the New King James it says liberally or in some other versions, it basically says he'll give us as much as we want, as much wisdom as we want. And that wisdom is not the word, wisdom of the world. It's not streetwise or anything like that. It's God's wisdom, the best kind of wisdom there is. So let me encourage you this week. Maybe we need to, myself included, we need to, um, what we need to do is check on our motives for following after God. Why am I following Jesus? Am I following Jesus for popularity? Am I following Jesus because of what he can do for me or the blessings I can receive from him? Am I following Jesus because of I perceive that it might be a good, successful goal or a good way of financially for myself? Or am I following Jesus because I love him? Because he saved my life. And the second question you want to ask yourself is, when I don't have the answer, do I really try to just dig in there and figure it out? Am I really wanting, do I just try to, you know, I, I can figure it out. I, I, I'll get, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll get it done. Or do I say, you know what, humble myself and say, God, I don't know. I need your help. So ask yourself these two questions this week. And I hope you have a blessed week after asking yourself these questions. And let's dive a little deeper into figuring out what really drives us. Because I think that's what Jesus is getting to here. He wants to look at, let's look at what really drives you. What's really behind your heart. And let's get rid of some of that garbage and get down to the, the, the as my friend Nacho would say, the nitty gritties. Okay? Have a good week. God bless.